there's a lot of news this week. There's a lot of news today, breaking news out of, uh, of Washington, D.C., about what the real numbers with Obamacare. And then late yesterday, a uh, budget deal was reached. And people were thrilled that nothing weird happened with the budget. That's how bad things have gotten. Here to discuss uh, the budget and other activities in Washington, D.C., is the Weekly Standards, Bill Crystal. Bill, thanks so much for your time. Hey, Michael. How are you? I just have one request, Bill. Please don't take any selfies while we're doing the podcast. That's all I ask. You know, I don't. I've, I'm so out of it. I barely know what a, knew what a selfie was, but I guess now all of America knows what it is. You know. My theory is that uh, we have the selfie presidency, and that this his theory is when something goes wrong, uh, like say you only have 350,000 people signing up for your healthcare system, you go have your picture taken, wave, maybe make a speech, and then go home because didn't that just fix it? I let everyone look at me. It, it is amazing. I mean, 50 years ago, <clears throat> the distinguished American historian Daniel Borster wrote a book, I think it was called The Image, and it was about how image was taking over from reality somehow in American public life. I think he thought yeah, John Kennedy's administration was an early instance of that with you know, his image and the focus on his charisma and all that. But, of course, whatever the problems of the 60s and even the 70s, 80s, 90s, we're now at a point where we actually do have a, not just the PR advisors to the president's, who try to use to burnish the image to improve a bit on reality, but we do seem to have a president who thinks it's all about image, all about talk. I mean, you really do wonder: does he really think that it's just a matter of giving speeches, that there's no actual objective reality out there, where that, that actions have consequences, that Iran will or won't get nuclear weapons, that people will or won't be able to keep their health insurance? I mean, it, it really—I gotta say—I'm a little personally kind of just spooked by the whole thing in the last few months is the degree it's one thing to have a liberal president a progressive president a president you don't agree with a president you don't have very high regard for it's another thing that the president just seems to be uh unconcerned about the actual real world consequences of his own policies and then at that funeral i mean he is the president of the united states I, what was he thinking really you know it's embarrassing well if you were uh, feeling worried or, or or afraid bill think of how he must have felt when he looked over and saw michelle's face at the time. I don't know if you've I seen can, the photo. She's very absolutely. not happy. <laughs> well, I actually give her credit. She seems to think that, gee, we're here at a funeral. I'm the, she's the first lady of the United States. He's the president. Maybe this is not the appropriate way to behave. I mean, it was like a bunch of teenagers at a at a prom or a basketball game or at a ball or something. And it, it, I mean, I felt this in America, and it was embarrassing. I suppose there were leaders of other countries there, the Prime Minister of Britain, the, the, the woman from Denmark, but... Uh, um, you know, that doesn't it doesn't lessen the embarrassment. I'm sure in Britain they're also thinking this is you know, this is once a country that represented represented by very serious people and now and you know, they had a special relationship with Mandela with South Africa. They can't sit there and look solemn for a few for three or four hours. It's too much to ask for them. Well, the uh, point where reality tends to hit hard is uh in the math area, people's wallets, people's real lives. And we have this budget deal. So I was ask you straight up, Bill, is it a good deal or a bad deal for people who like smaller government and maybe hold conservative principles? It's a pretty good deal. It's a small deal, mostly. So people shouldn't get too hysterical one way or the other. Uh, the trade-off of the domestic discretionary increases compared to what sequester would do with the mandatory spending cuts is pretty much of a wash, honestly. It's such a tiny percentage either way. I do think that the relief for defense is not that much of a relief. Defense still takes real cuts is important. I mean, there's a real world out there, as we were saying, and there are real enemies in that real world. And I think the $25 billion or so for defense is by far the most important policy consequence of the deal. And politically, I think it's a good deal for Republicans and conservatives. I think otherwise they'd spend the next month in a circular firing squad. It's not clear they have the votes to sustain sequesters. They're 
enough Republicans who do want to spend more on both defense and, and unfortunately, some on discretionary. So you could have a total meltdown as we approach the uh, expiration of the continuing resolution in mid-January, another government shutdown scenario, which Republicans would panic about. So I think Paul Ryan did a good deed by uh, cutting the best deal he could with a Democratic president there and a Democratic Senate. Uh, it gets us through the election in 2014. It allows everyone to get back to focusing on the important things, which are the failures of Obamacare and the failures of Obama's foreign policy. And that's what frustrates me when I listen to people saying, well, I'm not sure I, we can support this. Uh, a, I'm going, the, 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 quote, cuts under the sequester were already minuscule. We've now reached a level of microscopic. Are we really going to put the chance to win the Senate, for example, at risk over a fight between are you going to save one one-hundredth of a penny or one one-thousandth of a penny? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it is the sequester becomes too much of a, it becomes sort of an emblem for conservatives and Republicans. It's the one thing they could agree on, kind of lowest common denominator. It did reduce spending, and it will continue to. The sequester is not gone. Uh, there's just some relief from it for two years, but it, it remains in the out years. And the relief, as Yuval Levin, put, uh, our contributing editor, uh, the editor of National Affairs, put it on a post over at National Review online, uh, the actual domestic and defense discretion, the total discretionary spending in this budget is considerably below the spending in Paul Ryan's 2011 budget, the budget that the House Republicans passed in the flush of victory after 2010, uh, the budget that was denounced by every liberal as heartless and reactionary and stingy. Uh, so with the deal, we are under the Paul Ryan budget level. So that's a, a bit of a success for House Republicans. You know, a lot of Republicans, conservatives are unhappy, didn't accomplish much in three years. We I think Republicans in the House have accomplished probably what they could have accomplished, given that there's a Democratic Senate and a Democratic president, which is basically to constrain spending. This continues that constraint. is a bit of a trade-off between discretionary and some of the mandatory programs. It doesn't change it fundamentally. I do think it helps to the defense. And I think politically it really leaves Republicans in pretty good shape going to the, over the next year, going to the 2014 election. And I think your comment about we've got to focus on um, Obamacare is so on point, Bill, because there's so much bad happening. Catherine Sebelius today confirming, I don't know how many, if anyone, will actually have insurance as of January 1st. I don't have that number. I just know we have this woefully small, fewer than 400,000 people number for November. And that number is people who have filled out the forms but who have not paid. And now there's some reports that a very small percentage of those have paid so far. Presumably some others will pay up, some others will pay up in the next two, three, four weeks, but we're already getting close to January 1st. I think a lot of people sort of signed up kind of thinking, well, this is free. They kind of vaguely had that impression from reading the media, the press about Obamacare. When they actually get the bill, I'm not so sure they'll pay it. So um, there'll be kind of that. That also will reduce the numbers. No, I think it's a real world disaster. I think Republicans need to be ready in January, February to go ahead and push harder for other kinds of reforms to delay parts of Obamacare, to repeal parts of Obamacare, to let people keep their insurance. This thing isn't going away, and, and that's another reason. Just to, let's get this little, pretty low, small uh, board debate about uh, spending out of the way, and let's get back to the focus on Obamacare. It is the president's distinctive achievement. It is the piece of progressive social legislation that exemplifies everything that people like us correctly really loathe about progressive social engineering. It damages the country. It damages our liberty. It damages our health care system. Uh, we need to have that debate over the next year. One last quick question. Would you have shaken hands with Raul Castro if you were the president of the United States? Uh, no, I don't. I think I would have preferred not to, and I think there was no need for him to. 
it wouldn't have been awkward for him to have simply not got over and done it. So I, I don't don't think I would have. Bill Crystal, thanks so much for your time. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure.